0: I'm read I'm a 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 read I'm read I'm read. Hi and welcome to the first episode of our podcast. Thanks for listening. my name is Laurel. and with you is Kimata. and let's just dive right in. we're gonna be talking about books all type of black books and not just like the typical I don't know, The Bluest Eye, or... Malcolm X. (laughs) Malcolm X. I'm reading that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Not the basic black books, but we really want to delve into, like, all the other books that you've wanted to read by black authors, like sci-fi, autobiographies, romance novels, and...
1: Just all things like black literature, and... Shedding Light, on some black excellence.
0: Some black excellence. (laughs) And today, we're going to start off with Gabrielle Union's book, We're Going to Need More Wine. I think... I started this book, or I wanted to read this book because I've always thought of Gabrielle Union as Black royalty. She's definitely one that's up there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I've seen her in everything, Being Mary Jane, Bad Boys 2, just a lot of quintessential teen movies, too. Yeah, she has um, Bring It On.
1: I feel like that's, like, my first true exposure, but, like, now that she's come so far, you don't always think, like, Bring It On, but, like, yeah. (laughs)
0: and I don't know she's always beautiful and always the it girl and everything she was in like she was never even though she did play like the side character like the friend roles in a lot of movies that she was in I felt like she was always this desirable black woman that I always wanted to be kind of emulating
1: yeah and I think I'm sure she has like horses and teams behind her but I think that she's one of the people that doesn't have a lot of like scandal or controversy around her for the most part as far as like I don't know like you have like a sex tape out or something like that um and so I think she goes in, like, that category of, like, Michelle Obama,
0: Oprah, <laughs> Union, <laughs> Gabrielle Union, Beyoncé. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, that's why I was excited to read her book, but damn. Like, uh, I really enjoyed it. You
1: know, I really enjoyed it, and I'm glad because it wasn't a book that was, like, on my list. Like, oh, it came out. I really have to read it. I honestly read it because there was a lot of hype around it. And Oprah talked about it. And then I happened to be scrolling through like the bookstore on Kindle one day and it was like one of the deals. And I was like, you know, I'm going to buy it. And I read it and I was like, I'm really glad I read this book. <laughs> I'm really glad I came across it. And then it does coincide with everything
0: else. Really. For sure. So let's talk about some major things that maybe we got out of reading it because it's been out for a while, but I feel like after reading her book, it kind of makes me feel like I can relate to her a lot, especially with how she grew up. Um, specifically with where she's from, because she was born in Omaha. I I didn't really know that she was born in Nebraska at all. Yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, which is cool because I lived in Colorado, which is kind of a Midwest town in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) A little bit better now, but still. Um, and yeah, and she moved to California when she was a kid and she grew up in Pleasanton. So just reading about her experience in Pleasanton, California is really interesting. I guess it kind of gives like more, a the mention to how she was raised and the viewpoint she had.
1: yeah, most of life. like that's why I related a lot, not because I grew up in Pleasanton but because she talks about growing up in a predominantly white community and the struggles of having to like assimilate and be white, but then also wanting to like hold on to those black roots with the time that she spent with her family, you know, like elsewhere and kind of like playing these two roles and talking about how her dad was, you know, you can be the super Negro or like the forgotten Negro. And just like talking about all this, and I'm like, oh, I, totally get I get that.
0: <laughs> I feel I feel that so hard. Like I, so backstory. Like my parents were in the military, and growing up, I was always the only black girl in my class, or like one of few. Yeah. Growing up, like every single school I went to, like I didn't see myself. And when I didn't see myself, I was like the only people I had to reference were like Becky and <laughs> Janice, and like. No, like, no black friends growing up, and I was always, like, kind of confused as to what my role was with these people, because I felt like I was their friend, I felt like there was their equal, but there were always certain times or periods where I kind of felt like an other, or, like, an outsider. Yeah, or kind of, like, an in-between. So, I'm originally from Georgia, Um,
1: so, in my perception, especially having moved to California, like, going back every so often, it's pretty much only white people and black people. Like, obviously, other people live there, but, like it's, like, white people, and there's black people, but then, like, most of the black people weren't in all of the accelerated classes and AP classes, and so I found myself to be, like, oh, I'm the only black person in this class, like, you know, (laughs) looking around, and me and my best friends, they were actually black, and so, you know, I still got that side, but I totally get, like, the assimilation, and then kind of feeling like an in-between, because it's, like, you're not really, you're not with the white people. Yeah. But then if majority of the black people aren't with you either, then it's like, you don't really relate to them on like the social levels and things like that. And so you find yourself in this kind of like in between, but
0: that was me. <laughs> <laughs> like any person who's in that space where they constantly have to like be one person with one group of people and one person with another group of people, it makes it so hard because you can't really be who you are all the time. A hundred percent. Cause you always feel like some part of you isn't really. Accepted or like understood by that group. Yeah. Like when I did hang out with my family members and stuff like that, they always thought it was interesting what I did with all my non black friends, like outside of school, compared to when I was with my white friends and I told them about like what my family was up to or like my other friends were up to. They'd be like, oh, that's different. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like cool. Thanks. Yeah. That's interesting. And moving out to LA, finally, I feel like I'm surrounded by so many different people that aren't just like white and from the Midwest part of Colorado and like even when I went to school and at CU Boulder there were black people but we weren't really together so I always kind of felt like I was by myself with my yeah. white friends so I'm finally glad to be in a place where I can like walk around and see people who look like me all the time yeah so, and like in addition to everyone else
1: oh yeah well. in addition as to everyone else <laughs> no no, no more of like yeah it's nice to just kind of like i love seeing a bit of everybody which is why i like living in places that are super diverse yeah but yeah i thought that was super relatable um definitely and even if you do live in a place like california or anywhere else that's super diverse you still have to deal with the whole the super negro forgotten. like you still have God. to be above everyone else like i still find myself today like is my perception or what I'm thinking at work, like, oh my God, am I, I going to get fired today? Like, <laughs> even though I'm doing a great job, it's like, no, it's, it's because, you know, you know, but like, you know, right
0: next to you yeah. is, um, just hell yeah, to a different standard. There's a, there's a Twitter, um. There's a Twitter page called Corporate Black Girl. Mm-hmm. I recommend any black women who works in corporate to follow the follow the Twitter page basically and they constantly have like different viewpoints of black women who work in corporate culture and how sometimes it feels weird because you feel like you have to overwork yourself or prove yourself constantly every single day against people who don't feel that same way and even when you see them relax or you feel like they're they're like okay with where they are and they don't have to put their best foot forward all the time it's like when you even when you feel like you want to do the same thing and like feel relaxed in your job and your role you can't because you always feel like the first time you fuck up or something happens like yeah. you're on the chopping <laughs> block <box. laughs> that's it that's you're done uh, like my first three months at work literally I am like I'm just out of college I've never had like a full nine to five job I don't really know what I'm doing but I'm trying my best I would show up like 20 30 minutes early every single day beat right. my own boss there and <laughs> literally still be like oh I'm fucking up like I need oh, to get literally. there earlier like yeah. And insane. especially like
1: there's a learning curve. So anytime you start anything new, like obviously you're probably going to make a mistake, but like, I just feared being fired. Like everything.
0: <laughs> And you're like, I tell people, they're like, you're being ridiculous. And I'm
1: like, I though? know.
0: Yeah. Really. <laughs> and like, especially if you don't see yourself there either, because there's only a handful of black women who work at my job and they're all older than me. They're not my age. So finding someone who's, like, my age who's also, like, a person of color, be like, oh, okay, yeah, like, do you feel this way too? It's like, no, you have to keep that to yourself. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, but I think that also goes into something else that she talks about. So my experience has been the Black people that I've met at my job or at my firm have been very, like, mentoring, like, hey, I it's great to see you here. Like, if you need anything, come to me, come talk to me, come ask me questions, you know, like, let's network, all this other jazz um, but Gabrielle Union in her book Talks about how, you know, as she's reaching Fame, you're actually I mean, she's grown beyond this now But in the early stages, she would see someone else And kind of, like, tear them down to Maintain your own position, which I think Is natural To competitive anything Yeah, so it's like, obviously You can't be the best if you're not better than Somebody else, and, like, how do you prove that you're better Than someone else? Well, you have to show that They're less than you, right? Yeah, but her talking about that and then um, the speech that she gave and, like, realizing that, you know, she, quote, like, tap danced on people's misery. I really liked way she said that. That was great. But, um, you know, like, you don't
0: have to actually do that and we can all each other. That was something I had to learn, like, way back when. Yeah. Like, a couple years ago, actually. Because when I was reading that part of the book, I was like, damn, I I could totally <laughs> relate. Like, <laughs> not to say that I was a complete bitch to people, but definitely I felt like I like, there was a competition factor if I felt like someone might be better than me or, like, someone intimidated me because I wasn't confident in myself, I definitely was a little bit more cold towards that person. Yeah. Not outright rude, but I would definitely make it known that, like, oh, I don't really, like, mess with you or like you or whatever. And it's completely an insecurity on my part. And I've done a lot of work on that, and now I'm, like, way past that. But I understand it because it's, like, you constantly feel like someone might knock you out of your position, especially, like, in her case, Black Hollywood. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Which I think is probably particularly fragile just because it is all about looks and being young and like being the up new coming thing and like the new toy to play with and like, um, media and everything. So I feel like it's a lot harder to constantly change yourself to be relevant. But I think a little bit of like fear of losing wherever you are is good because one, it shows that you have something (laughs) to lose. (laughs) And then two, like it can be inspiring and it can keep you going, to me as long as it doesn't get to the point where it's like you're so concerned about everyone else that you're going to forget to actually work on yourself mm-hmm. and then you're going to lose what you have because you know you weren't really doing it in the first place but yeah, super
0: relatable yeah which reminds me people if you can please take a break from social media because that'll do that to you Somewhat. I was
1: just <laughs> listening to someone about that how he um, it was actually on Charlamagne's podcast how he used to carry his phone in his pocket now he carries it in his hand And just, like, always
0: on it, always checking, always checking, because you want that, like, constant gratification Mm -hmm. from other people. And Speaking of constant gratification, Gabrielle Union hits on this very hard, but how she was constantly validated by men in her life and how she saw herself, that was something I related to, too. Only because I felt like growing up, since there weren't a lot of black girls around me, Mm -hmm. I constantly had to, like, be pretty or, like, presentable or, like... If a guy said, oh, yeah, she's cute, I would, like, take that way more to heart than I needed to. Yeah. But, like, if someone said I was pretty, like, validation, I feel like, in this book was something that I was so glad that she talked about as openly as she did about how much she needed that growing up and how much she, like, kind of craved validation from people. And that's kind of how she got to where she was a little bit. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people don't want to talk about those insecurities and how that kind of pushed them to act a certain way or be a certain way yeah so i was really glad she talked about especially with like in relationship like how she was constantly trying to like yeah be that person for other people instead of herself
1: most definitely and i like how as far as validation she had a friend who had pointed out how in the beginning she would only date light-skinned guys and how that basically revealed a truth about herself at the time like you know, she's growing up in Pleasanton, you're surrounded by all these white guys who will essentially never really see you as anything more than a friend, and if they did, they're probably not going to go against their parents and, like, say so. Yeah. And how she's excited to be around black people, like, oh, wow, like, guys who can, like, actually like me, but at the end of the day, she falls into the whole, you know, I want to date light-skinned guys because that proves that, you know, like, I'm pretty because they like me, as if they're better And pointing out the whole super old argument of, like, light skin versus dark skin and all of that, but... Um, I'm glad that she delved into that because I think, you know, she realized it and then moved past it. Yeah. Um, My friends and I were actually just talking about that the other day. And then validation, I feel like everyone wants a little bit of validation because success to me is really all relative, you know? It's all relative. Your own personal growth is only relative to who you used to be, you know? Like how good you are or where you're ranked in an industry is relative to everybody else, you know? So I feel like it's kind of hard to totally let that go but yeah you can definitely
0: focus on it a little bit
1: too much sometimes
0: <laughs> I think it's interesting her experience growing up in Pleasanton because she was constantly me, because she was popular and she had everything really and she was a basketball player and she was well liked but at the same time like who she was in Pleasanton was never who she was in she had those two separate lives. Yeah. And I think one of the funniest stories in this book that I read was when she hid that criminal in her grandma's house for a couple <laughs> days. Yeah. The other thing is I was like, I guess like
1: statute of limitations, but like sometimes I'll read books and I'm like, can you say that now? <laughs> but I mean, okay, yeah.
0: Yeah. like <laughs> I think that's so crazy because like, I can't imagine going, because my a lot of my family lives in New York. I can't imagine yeah. going to New York like, running with these criminals, like, <laughs> hiding them, and then coming back to Colorado and be like, oh, yeah, my summer was great, like, Literally, <laughs> so good. The other, so, like, how much can you be
1: two different people, you right. know? Do you think you could, like, truly, because I'm almost imagining, like, okay, let me go to Compton, and, you know, <laughs> like, have a great time, and then I'm just gonna go to, like, like like, put on a skirt and like everything's good and i'm like it
0: happens all the time i feel like it happens to people more than we know like i don't know i feel like especially nowadays like it's so easy to hide certain parts of yourself if you want them hidden yeah like you could i've known many a man who have multiple families (laughs) (laughs) yeah it takes some finesse but you can do it
1: (laughs) and even like you know back to social media you see all these things about you know, you're posting this picture of you having a great time, but in actuality, you like hate your life. And it's like nobody knows because you're only looking at like the quote best parts of your life when you like, yeah, you know, look at social media. So I think it is easy to hide bits of yourself. That's so super interesting how you literally have to, or at least she felt as though she had to like cut that side of her off in order to like operate in different spaces mm-hmm. as opposed to like being
0: able to just be yourself. I watched a video of her um, at a book club or like some sort of interview at a bookshop on YouTube, I'll put the link in the description, but um, she basically talks about how she doesn't talk to any of her friends from Pleasanton anymore, really. Like, she kind of cut that off when she moved to L.A. and became an actress because she realized that those people weren't the same people that she knew, or yeah. they weren't going to support her in the same ways that she needed now that she was kind of, like, okay with who she was 100%. Yeah. So I kind of think that's interesting, too, like, just cutting off those side, that side of you completely when she's like ah done with it <laughs> yeah but i mean like i feel like people
1: are encouraged today and you do like you outgrow pieces of your life so i was just talking to someone about how me and my friends like we're still the best of friends but at the same time like as you grow older and i left and one another one of my friends left and so we're all kind of spread out but it's like i think we became more of ourselves but I don't feel the need to cut them off. But there are like bits and pieces in my life and I'm just like, there's no reason for me to like spend energy <laughs> like trying to keep this going, like what's yeah. the point? And you just like, you know, you become whoever it is that you want to be. And if your past doesn't coincide with that or support like, it, like just cut it off. Like, what about you? Like when you went to college or when you moved, like do you felt like you or do you do you feel as though you outgrew like parts of your life? Oh hell
0: yeah. Just Oh yeah. I've definitely cut off friends. I've cut (laughs) off people. I find that for me, it's gotten a lot easier, but that's because I moved around a lot as a kid. So it kind of reminds me of that same aspect because when I moved as a kid, like I didn't have a cell phone back then. I wasn't like calling them up every week. Like, Hey girl, what happened with you? Like I'm across the country. I'm with a military family. Like I had to like get comfortable as soon as I moved somewhere else. So I think it's always interesting when people ask me like, Oh, do you feel bad for like cutting this person off or like, Moving on from the situation or whatever. And, like, it hits me for maybe a couple weeks or two. And then I'll be like, nah, I had to do it. Like <laughs> <laughs> It was necessary. Yeah, it's necessary. I think people should be more upfront about that. Yeah. Like, now that we're in an age where it's, I feel like we should be more comfortable explaining who we are in certain moments of our lives and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and especially with relationships. She talks about um, one of her marriages that was basically going wrong. And she knew so it was wrong.
0: going it's so, wrong. It's
1: so wrong. So wrong. So wrong, but she didn't want to be like labeled a failure, you know? And yeah. so you just kind of keep what you know is over going. Yeah. And so I've, I think it's a strength to be able to know when to let go of something and to have the ability to cut it off. And I've experienced that on both sides as far as like been the one to cut someone off or had someone say,
0: like, hey, like, it's time to go. Yeah. You know? Can we talk about that whole relationship? <laughs> I think that's the one, that's one of the scandals in this book that I was actually like, damn, Gabby, like, were you really, you really did this to yourself? But I feel, like
1: it's a lot harder to see things clearly when you're in the situation. That's true. Especially if you're going through the growth process. True. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know.
0: For clarification, guys, in this book, she talks about her marriage to her, to her first husband. I believe it was her first. Yeah, I think it was her first. And it was like this... Football player that she met in spring break somewhere, and they hit it off, but he just turned into, like, a scrub really quickly. <laughs> That's <laughs> a perfect super quickly. word, honestly. Like, just living in her house. She was paying for him and his career, just, like, trying to help him get stuff going, and he was cheating, like, and she just would not get rid of this guy. Yeah. Just would not let it go. And it, it's crazy to me that someone such as herself would, like would have a hard time letting a guy like that go. But I think she just really wanted to work, and she, like, talks about it, and she basically explained that she just wanted to get married to get married at that point in her life because she thought it was, like, another thing to check off her list somewhat. So seeing all my friends getting married now, (laughs) (laughs) so many friends, and I'm just, like, I don't think it's the same where there's, like, oh, yeah, getting married to check off my marriage checklist, but... It's definitely interesting to see how she played into that and, like, got married and even when it was going south and she was so young, she was like, oh, no, going to keep it going. And it's like, you do have to consider, like, the publicity factor.
1: So it's like, yeah, everyone's looking. Yeah. Even beyond everyone who you actually, like, everyone who actually matters in your life, you know? Everyone else who you're also worrying about. But let's talk about being the breadwinner. Cause one, this is not the first time that she paid or was like significantly paying for whoever it was that she was with. She had like some other guy that she had been with and he was, she was like funding like his education or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I mean, do you think that the conversation would be any different if she was a man? and It was like, well, I'm this guy and I have all this money and I'm like with this girl, um, you know, and I'm, I'm paying. Would people think twice about it? Do you think?
0: I mean, I guess there is a double standard well I guess there is there is a double standard. <laughs> Let me be like completely like clear in that and say that there is a double standard. It's a double standard for sure. I think in her situation, the reason why it was so odd was because she felt like she was always going into a partnership with someone who was equal. And then yeah. it never started off unequally. It already it always started off equally. And then it ended up in some weird dichotomy or like situation where she's paying for everything. Yeah. So I, I'm like, I don't know. It kind of it kind of freaks me out a little bit that people can switch on you like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You never know, because I can't I can't <laughs> imagine being the breadwinner for everyone in my relationship because I want it to be equal. Yeah. But it also depends on like comfortability. Most definitely. Most I mean, I feel like there should
1: be some equality even beyond like the monetary aspect. It's like if you always feel like you're the one who's emotionally stable and they're the one who has all the emotional baggage, then like that inequality is gonna take a toll and like in any aspect I feel like there should be just like mutual respect, <laughs> you know, and true. everything. But I don't know. I don't know how she did it. Because I don't maybe I'm just less willing to be that <laughs> open. Like Maybe it would be different if I had a lot more money to give, mm-hmm. but at the same time I'm like, I'm not. You're yeah.
0: <laughs> Which is interesting because then she talks about her relationship with Dwayne Wade and he finally yeah. has all of his own money right. and yet he wants a prenup and she was kind of just like blown away because I mean, either way, she's not, she has her own stuff. Yeah. She's making her own money.
1: I really liked the
0: excerpt about the, the prenup
1: conversation. I thought it was like funny and humorous, relatable, not, (laughs) not, not relatable. It's it's not relatable. (laughs) Yeah, Kimada, talk about your prenup, girl. So, no, (laughs) not at all. But it was funny because she talked about, you know, like they have this great relationship going, but then when it gets down to money, like it gets serious. Like it's still a serious thing. And I thought it was a good idea. And I thought, I think that in the future and in the end,
0: you know, regardless of what happens, they'll be glad that they did it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't like, I don't know how I would take it if someone was like, I'll marry you but sign a prenup would you do it
1: one I feel like it would depend on what the situation was like am I the one who has something to guard or am I the one who is you know being guarded from whatever it is that you have but I mean I would do it because I respect that yeah because I feel like if I had a lot of assets that I would say like hey you know like let's sign a you know, because everything is all rainbows and unicorns right now until money, until something goes wrong. And then it's totally South. And there's another book that this guy wrote. He's a lawyer in, in divorce. And he talks about how people don't really know what marriage is and like how intertwined you are. So he, he uses the example, you know, if you go out and you buy a watch and you're married, you really only bought half of that watch because that cost that you have at that, that like you now have technically half of it belongs to like your
0: spouse and all the ways that you're intertwined so i would sign it because I, I respect <laughs> the idea Pretty sure it definitely made me think about um what being a partner means to someone because they kind of compromise in that aspect but also when she talks more about her relationship with Dwayne, it kind of seems like they really understand the foundation of which they are a couple. Yeah. Instead of just, like, I'm in love. Like, I think she thought way more rationally about her relationship with him than she has her other relationships. Because they felt kind of more impulse, like, impulse decisions. Yeah. And with Dwayne, she kind of, like, really thought it through. I feel like part of the reason why she was able to think through is because she did
1: have those past Mm -hmm. relationships. But I will say one thing that I, like, disagree with is
0: when people say, oh, like, to be old and wise, you have to be young and stupid. And I'm like, oh are you talking about when she's like you. you need to fuck everything <laughs> <laughs> no <but> let's talk <laughs> about that oh because um well i think it's like really smart advice because going back to the whole mentor thing she was saying if she could give one piece of advice to her little sisters or the people reading the young mm-hmm. women reading she would say to like fuck whatever you want or like go out and explore as much as you can like no one should determine what you do with your vagina and whatnot yeah. and i totally agree with that i i think it's great, but you have to think smart about it. That's the one thing. I agree and disagree. I agree because I'm like, go and experience
1: everything. Yeah. And honestly, like, you know, congratulations to all the people who found their high school sweethearts, but you just missed out on, like, everybody. <laughs> like, and you're probably going to have a midlife crisis thinking, oh my God, is, like, is this all there is? Or just wonder if, like, you'll never know how great
0: sex could be because you've only had it with one person. That's true. That's when you role play. That's when you get <laughs> a bunch of wins. Kinky. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a good thing. Yeah, no. But, no, I'm totally, for you know Like going out And exploring And if you If it has to be sexually Like do it sexually But I do also feel like You know It depends on who you are That's true too. You know Like me personally I have no reservations Like one way or the other Like I don't feel like I just like should not have sex And I don't feel like It's a necessity To just have as much sex As I can You know mm-hmm. It's just you it, it, do. you yeah, and like your experiences really Will lead to Whoever you are in the future mm-hmm. yeah. But I wouldn't be reserved I think that's
0: that's what it is. Yeah. You got to be no open reservations. to things. Yeah. 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 Cause you, especially when, I thought one of the funnier parts was when she was talking about her first time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it just, it reminds me of like, not of my first time per se, but like definitely like other friends when they would tell me their experiences or their first times, like in someone else's, some dude's house in high school, like <laughs> in their parents' room. How was your first time? Um, should we talk about it? I guess we could talk about him. Um, random. Random. Spontaneous. Spontaneous. Um, really funny. It, mm, <laughs> it's, it's a story. Um, so I met this guy. I call him my Indian baby daddy. It's a joke. It was a joke at the time because I saw him everywhere. Yeah. And he was very attractive. And so I was like, oh, yeah, like... That's my Indian baby daddy. Like I see him all the time. He's on the bus. He's in front of my dorm. Like he's at the pizza shop. Like Wait, did he know you? No. Or you just you're We literally just saw each other every single day. Okay. Like every day randomly at some point, like we were It's like eye contact but no conversation. Yeah. Every day. For like months, months at this point. And so finally, I think I I was coming back from a party and he saw me and we finally struck up a conversation, took me to get pizza. And at that point, I was like, ah, he's alright, but, like, I'm not trying to, like, date him or be in a relationship, and I thought that was perfect, because I didn't want to date him or be in a relationship, yeah. because I, I always think, or I, I have this viewpoint that if you um, have sex with the first person you really, like, you really like... Or you think you like and it's not that you really love them. It's like lust. Yeah. You might get attached to someone that you don't really need to get attached to. Yeah. But that's just how I see it. I I know that's not the same for everybody else, but that was always a fear of mine. Because I don't want to just give it up to someone and be like, oh, yeah, I love you. And then it's not even that. It's just like, oh, he just, it was a really intimate moment. And I like mix those feelings up. So I knew whoever I was going to lose it to, I don't want to date them. (laughs) <laughs> I don't wanna like I wanna think that they're a nice human being, but I don't wanna be in a relationship with them. I don't wanna see long term. Like I just So wanna... it's almost like a checklisty kind of thing. It like, was yeah. Like let's yeah. check this off. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. And so we went back to my dorm room. We got we got pizza. He's like, Do you have a girlfriend? I said no. I was like, Do you have a boyfriend? He's oh, wait
1: Valid <laughs> <laughs> yeah, question. Yeah, hey, valid like, question. Valic question said, someone
0: he <laughs> said no. So yeah, it was right then and there. Uh, midway, uh started bleeding all over her shit, and that's. <laughs> that was you know my first time. <laughs> Boom. Gotcha. No, yeah,
1: I feel like I had like two first times. Okay. Yeah. Being gay and all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there was like the first time. Well, okay, anyway, I don't know what I classify myself as. I just do. You do don't need to. I want. Exactly. As yeah. uh, Gabrielle Union said, no one needs to determine what you do with your body. Exactly. But. <laughs> No, I, let's
1: see. I lost it with a guy in my own bed. I was really glad it was my bed. Yeah, mom. I think like, it was know, your own bed. It's comfortable. <laughs> I will say I was definitely a reach upon, it was, it was a checklist thing. I was also into him, but it was a checklist thing. Like, I, it was all, it's always been a checklist thing. Like, let's just get this. <laughs> but then you're, I'm just laying there like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then my first time with like a woman, Um but I, I did, I was already, attached okay. I was getting attached and got attached but attachments you know <laughs> but I feel like it's a little bit different um how would you say like Gabrielle Union's for experience kind of way yeah
0: um it's, it sounded like a mess because <laughs> <laughs> this guy picked her up takes her back to his house his parents aren't home but he was really hot and she'd been trying to get with him for a really long time Even though he'd gotten with, like, other people that she knew and whatnot, like, he wasn't, like, some random person. Like, he was the hottest person on the baseball team, I think, was on the baseball team. And so he finally chose her that night instead of another girl, took her Mm. to his house. They did it in his parents' bed. That's just disrespectful. Which I think, yeah, (laughs) that's, like, ew. Like, I just imagine my mom, like, having to, like, figure that out, what kind of punishment I would get. Oh, God. Oh, um, But yeah, so they did it in the parents' bed. I don't remember if it was painful or not. I don't think she really goes into those details. Yeah. But I do remember her saying that it wasn't what she thought it would be because she left and she thought this guy would be way more into her and he was just like dropping her off like oh. it was no big deal.
1: Yeah. I think it's funny because prior to that, she has a chapter called Sex and mis How, you know, you're young. I believe in middle school, her and like all of her other, like, girlfriends well, are if they like hurl them into a room and it's like you can get pregnant and like don't tell them <laughs> how and so they're like laying in their beds thinking they're gonna like spontaneously get pregnant like this is this is but i feel like it points out that like
0: at a very young age sex becomes really taboo
1: and it's like i think it's detrimental
0: I, yeah it is detrimental i also think it's just so many parents want to keep the innocence of their children or their family by not explaining those things that go beyond like that go on behind closed doors which I think is really crazy to me because Mm -hmm. you would think they would be the first people to tell you like hey this is that, that's this right and so then you don't turn to something else like a movie or like your random friend who's doing what now but even in today's age like I feel like a lot of parents are still really hesitant to be open about sexual experiences with their kids
1: yeah or any subject that they don't really want you to engage in you just avoid and it's like that's not solving the problem yeah and that can be used in A lot of other situations, too. Like, just not talking about it is not going to, like, solve the
0: problem or help or educate. You hit a really good point because in her book, when she talks about her dad, her dad has a whole mistress on the side and, like, doesn't tell the family at all. Yeah. And they find out through other means. Like, Gabrielle, you didn't find that on her own with her sister going through her dad's stuff. Yeah. So I think that's always really interesting to me because, like, parents just don't talk about it.
1: Right. And then... Obviously have to talk about it At least a little bit Her rape in the store And it's like what if that had been The first time she ever had sex Like That would yeah. be the only thing you ever knew And it's like you could I mean obviously you mostly our scarred for life But in a whole different manner You know But um, that was crazy I didn't know about that Before I, yeah. the book came out
0: I um, didn't know about that either And I think it's really great that she did talk about it In such a emotional way like she she didn't just say this happened to me and i worked through it but she really talks about like the emotions that came and like the feelings that came after that and how it affected not only her but how her dad felt about her how her mom felt about her like how her family treated her and she even goes into talking about the settlement afterwards and how people thought that she just got that money because of some lame lawsuit which is crazy to me but just how afterwards she kind of it kind of twisted her image of herself just to like a tad. Not a tad, but like, Yeah, you know.
1: and how she like um always like sits with her back to like the the wall at restaurants or how even today you can feel jumpy if someone like just comes up behind you. Yeah. You know, or how at in that time she was actually with a guy and how their relationship changed. Just how everything changes. So I think it is it's good. But I believe she still works with people.
0: Yeah. Um I think she's very much still an advocate for and abuse and rape education, because I feel like a lot of people still don't understand the emotional implications or the societal implications of, of rape culture, especially yeah. in the U.S. Like, it happens in schools all the time. It's really prevalent. It happens to women all the time. Even men, it happens to everyone all the time. And I feel like a lot of people still don't understand what boundaries people are crossing or... Yeah, how to tell people that they've crossed a boundary, or how to go and find help when they need it. All right. So now that we've talked about her book, I'm gonna ask you some questions. <laughs> and you can ask me some of your own too. Would you recommend this book?
1: I would recommend it. Um, one, I think I found myself literally laughing out loud, and I always think it's great. Yeah, you know, when a book can do that, it's, it's you know supposed to. I really liked your writing style. I thought it was relatable. And it keeps you engaged, yeah. you know, like, throughout the whole book. If you're an entertainer, you know, you can read about that. I feel like she didn't focus too much on her entertainment life. Which as I enjoyed. As, right. It was more personal, I think. Um, there was definitely, like, some entertainment stuff in there. She talked about her um, friendship with pleasure, which enjoyed. So,
0: overall, I would definitely recommend it. I would also recommend this book. Um, I would recommend it to young black women who really just want to like who kind of want to hear an older woman's perspective that doesn't seem like so far away like a mom but more yeah. like an older sister I kind of got the older sister vibe in reading her book like, oh okay alright yeah. yeah like glad to hear a different perspective yeah and I did just
1: want to add in I think that it's a good story of growth everybody grows and I think that Gabrielle really displays that she's the type of person who's made a lot of growth in her life and
0: is like reflected
1: on who she used to be
0: yeah, definitely. I yeah, it's it's really I don't. It's kind of motivational in a sense like that too. Yeah, because you kind of feel like every after everything she went through, like there's still room to change who you are, how you think, your perspective to like push yourself and be a little bit better. Yeah, um, I'd recommend it to anyone who sees like men or other people or seeks men or thinks of other people's approval before their own. Because I got that. Like that's like my main takeaway mm-hmm. of that book is like. How you see yourself is so important and you should really focus on learning more about yourself instead of focusing on everything else around you. Yeah. And like really delve into yourself. I feel like after reading her book, I kind of was like, oh, like looking back on my past and looking forward, like how have I changed? What have I done that's different?
1: So main takeaway for you is basically self-attention. Yeah. (laughs) Self-attention and growth. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What was my main takeaway? I will say I was reading it more for, like, just, like, pleasure, enjoyment. Um, I didn't have any sort of expectations. So, at the end of the book, it is... I would agree a lot that it, my, one of my main takeaways was really to focus on yourself. Just because she talks about how she starts working with, um, let's just say, a therapist for namesake. And she's, the therapist asks her, you know, like, what do you like? And she can only name, like, food. And so to really know yourself, it'll let you know what you do and don't like and what you should or shouldn't go after and just totally provide some actual aid
0: into whatever you're trying to do. Well, thanks for listening to our first episode, guys. You can always get We're Going to Need More Wine by Gabrielle Union on Amazon, Audible, any place that sells a book. I said Amazon already. um, iTunes. It's really everywhere. everywhere. It's not exclusive. So please go read. It's a really good read. Go strong, Black women everywhere. And we're out.